Book Eight, Chapter Two of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Orksky. Book Eight, The Traitor, Chapter Two. Silence reigned in the low-rafted room on the ground floor of the house in the Rue Dauphine. Citizen Robespierre, chairman of the Cordelier's Club, the most bloodthirsty, most evolutionary club of France, had just re-entered the room. He walked up to the centre table, and through the close atmosphere, thick with tobacco smoke, he looked round on his assembled friends. "'We have got him,' he said at last curtly. "'Got him? Who?' came in hoarse cries from every corner of the room. "'That Englishman,' replied the demagogue. "'The Scarlet Pimpernel.' A prolonged shout rose in response, a shout not unlike that of a caged herd of hungry wild beasts to whom a succulent morsel of flesh has unexpectedly been thrown. "'Where is he? Where did you get him? Alive or dead?' And many more questions such as these were hurled at the speaker from every side. Robespierre, calm, impassive, immaculately neat, in his tightly fitting coat, his smart breeches and his lace cravat, waited a while until the din had somewhat subsided. Then he said calmly, The Scarlet Pimpernel is in hiding in one of the derelict houses in the Rue Berthier. Snarls of derisions as vigorous as the former shouts of triumph drowned the rest of his speech. Bah! How often has that cursed Scarlet Pimpernel been said to be alone in a lonely house? Citizen Chauvelin has had him at his mercy several times in lonely houses. And the speaker, a short, thick-set man, with sparse black hair plastered over a greasy forehead, his shirt open at the neck, revealing a powerful chest and rough, hairy skin, spat in ostentatious contempt upon the floor. Therefore we will not boast of his capture yet, Citizen Roger, resumed Robespierre, imperturbably. I tell you where the Englishman is. Do you look to it that he does not escape? The heat in the room had become intolerable. From the grimy ceiling an oil lamp, flickering low, threw lurid, ruddy lights on tricolour cockades on hands that seemed red with blood of innocent victims of lust and hate, and on faces glowing with desire and with anticipated savage triumph. "'Who is the informer?' asked Roger at last. "'A girl,' replied Robespierre curtly. "'Yvonne Lebour, by name. She and her family live by begging. There are a blind father and two boys.' They heard together at night in the derelict house in the Rue Berthier. Five Englishmen have been in hiding there these past few days, 
One of them is their leader. The girl believes him to be the Scarlet Pimpernel. Why has she not spoken of this before? muttered one of the crowd, with some scepticism. Frightened, I suppose. Or the Englishman paid her to hold her tongue. Where is the girl now? I am sending her straight home, a little ahead of us. Her presence should reassure the Englishman whilst we make ready to surround the house. In the meanwhile, I have sent special messengers to every gate of Paris, with strict orders to the guard not to allow anyone out of the city until further orders from the Committee of Public Safety. And now, he added, throwing back his head with a gesture of proud challenge, citizens, which of you will go man-hunting to-night? This time the strident roar of savage exultation was loud and deep enough to shake the flickering lamp upon its chain. A brief discussion of plans followed, and Roger, he with the broad, hairy chest and that gleam of hatred forever lurking in his deep-set, shifty eyes, was chosen the leader of the party. Thirty determined and well-armed patriots set out against one man who mayhap had supernatural powers. There would, no doubt, be some aristocrats too in hiding in the derelict house. The girl, Labore, it seems, had spoken of a woman and two children. Bah! These would not count. It would be thirty to one. So let the scarlet pimpernel look to himself. From the towers of Notre Dame, the big bell struck the hour of six, and thirty men, ragged shirts and torn breeches, shivering beneath a cold November drizzle, began slowly to wend their way towards the Rue Berthier. They walked on in silence, not heeding the cold or the rain, but with eyes fixed in the direction of their goal and nostrils quivering in the evening air with the distant scent of blood. End of Book 8 Chapter 2